Welcome to Industry Focus, the podcast that dives into a different sector of the stock market every day. I'm your host, Christine Harges. It is October 20th, but by the time you're listening, it'll be at least October 26th. Why are we pre-recording, do you ask? It is day one of the Motley Fool's Writer Conference, so healthcare contributor Todd Campbell is here in HQ doing the show with me in person, which is a first, and I couldn't be more excited. Welcome uh, to the studio. It's great to be here. I can't wait to go through and, and actually talk real time, be able to feed right off of each other. I th- Hopefully, uh, it's an exciting show for everybody. It's awesome already. So, a couple of months ago, this was in the spring, we did an episode about the future of healthcare. And we talked about robotic surgery and intuitive surgical. And we also talked about gene sequencing and Illumina. Both of these companies recently had earnings related news come out and it moved their stocks a little bit and gave investors a little bit more to chew on. So, we were thinking that it would be a fun idea today to talk about how investors should react, whether you bought off of our last show and decided to hold on and now how do you reinterpret this this news and do you sell, do you buy more, what do you do? Or if you were just interested and, and were watching the stocks, well, maybe is now the time to buy. So, let's uh, start with Intuitive Surgical. It, yeah, you know, this really comes to the the crux of what we're talking about as foolish capital F investors. You know, yes, we're dissecting and we're digesting continuously information that we're being fed from the companies through either calls with analysts or press releases or anything else. Um, but you know, how do we how do we weight that in view of the larger picture? Right, right? because quarterly earnings are just that; they're quarterly. Right. And, you know, we're talking about with Intuitive Surgical, a company that sells products used for robotic surgery. These systems are expensive. So it's not that shocking to know that there's some lumpiness quarter to quarter. I mean, when you're talking about buying something that costs a million dollars, you know, a lot goes into that decision. And sometimes you're going to end up with scenarios where quarters maybe aren't as exciting as they might be otherwise. Now, with Intuitive Surgical, if you just looked at the headline numbers, you'd be like, Oh, well, business is great. You know, year over year, sales were up about 16%. Earnings were great. They beat uh, estimates by a dollar. Why the heck did the stock fall 30 bucks, right? And I think that what a lot of people were wondering when they were going through and digesting this data point, this one data point, was well, you know, the, the management did say that there's some slowing in the use for uh, prostate cancer because they've now penetrated to a point where it's mostly just new cases that are going to be uh, treated using these robotic surgery systems. And prostate cancer, you know, the diagnosis rates, they're growing mid to high single digits annually. So that's a far cry south of the double digit growth that they've been posting. But I think you need to look beyond that. And you need to say, no, what's the absolute market opportunity that's associated with robotic surgery? And it's big. It's absolutely enormous. And they've they've only scratched the surface. I mean, so not only do you have different types of surgeries that can be used, but if you look at the global market for this, they are just at the very, very tip of that iceberg. I mean, 70% of their revenue is coming from the United States right now. 70% of surgeries aren't occurring in the United States. Right. How many people are there in America, right? We're 300 and something million people, right? Of a three billion, you know, large planet. And, you know, we're not even, we're not even talking about being the potential to expand this into, into other types of general surgery. Right now it's being used primarily for hysterectomies and for prostate cancer surgeries. And, you know, that's just a small fragment. I mean, the, the estimate that, you know, Last year, there were about 652,000 procedures that were done on intuitive surgical 
uh, using intersurgical systems. And that's of a 4 million addressable patient population right now with the existing um, technology that they're offering. You know, as they move into things, they're talking about moving into things where computer-controlled, motion-controlled, um, catheterization, those kind of things. There are a lot of opportunities for this company longer term. <clears throat> yeah, I would agree that one of the things to look at when you're taking the long-term perspective on this company are some of their other efforts involving the usage of data and better monitoring, particularly because that is where the competitive landscape starts to get a little bit hairier. I mean, you've got. Uh, Alphabet's Verily, which spun off into a company called Verb Surgical, which is partnered with uh, J&J. This is a company that is looking to really harness Google's ability to do amazing things with data, with Johnson Johnson's power in devices, to make these smart surgical robots with artificial intelligence and instant data analysis. And right now, Intuitive Surgical dominates the market for, for robotic surgery. But going forward, you need to look out five years more than that, and we're, we're long-term investors, so we have to do that. This is where you could start to see another company come in and threaten Intuitive Surgical, so important to keep your eyes on right. that. Great disruptive businesses attract competition. And I think that that's maybe kind of the takeaway here. Intuitive Surgical is disrupting surgery. So yes, there are going to be other companies that are going to try and knock it off its purse. Perched. Which, in its original capacity, is going to be hard to do because, as you mentioned, these are expensive machines. You don't, you're not going to get companies that are going to shell out another million and a half dollars for a, a different machine that's maybe ten percent better. Lots of them already installed. So yes, plus the training involved. Absolutely. So I, I think that you know, from an investing standpoint, you look at it and you say, okay, yes, procedure volume could slow for say prostate, but there are so many other opportunities here. Maybe I continue to take a long-term view and say, okay, I'm going to stick with this. I'm going to ride it out. I'm going to recognize that there are going to be bumps and bruises along the way, but I'm in this for 20 years. There you go. So let's move on to our other company that we wanted to talk about today. Uh, this one is Illumina. Uh, if you guys listen to the April show, you'll remember that they are a genetic testing and sequencing player. What happened there? Yeah, so Illumina... Um, offered up some preliminary insight into what their third quarter results were, and they came in shy of what they had previously said they were going to do for growth. But this is still growth. You know, it's not like Illumina came out and said, yeah, our sales are down year over year. They were up year over year, and they were up by a solid amount, about 10%. So it's not like the end of the world for Illumina. However, uh, 2016 has been a tough tough sledding for Illumina investors. And that's because there's a lot of transition that's going on. You know, Illumina recognizes that we're now evolving in gene sequencing beyond just simply being able to generate the technology that can sequence a gene at a thousand bucks, you know, per, per shot. But we're now looking at, okay, how can we take that technology and apply it to the masses? So it's a whole different ball of wax. We're not just putting these systems in place, we're figuring out how to use the information that we're getting out of these systems. And that's really exciting because it's a potentially much larger universe. We're not just talking about scientists, we're now talking about patients, you know, personalized medicine, figuring out the best treatment alternative for you versus me. I mean, those are exciting opportunities and they're going to be costly. You know, Illumina is going to have to invest in them and that's going to make margins fall a little bit. And then their CEO, um, Jay Flatley, who's run the company for a very long time, 
he stepped down and handed over the reins to D'Souza, who's a technology guy. And that's great, but it creates a little bit of uncertainty among investors because you don't know, okay, where what direction is he going to take us in? So you've got that. And then you've got kind of this, you know, Brexit kind of overhang. So they've had some European problems, some slowing in demand from Europe. And it really, we don't really understand fully why, because they're saying that they're not losing market share, but for some reason, the orders aren't coming in like they anticipate. And that leads me to think that maybe there is some pushback now because they're not sure how EU funding is going to be coming to the UK to support their initiatives. And maybe that's just creating enough uncertainty where they're pushing back those orders. But again, that's pushing back. It doesn't, I have a hard time believing that this whole movement towards gene sequencing over the last 20 years isn't in still in the early innings. Yep, I was thinking the exact same thing. That I wanted to chime in and say that this is early innings here. I mean, I so I'm reading a book right now called The Inevitable. It's by a guy named Kevin Kelly, and his whole premise in this book is that you can predict the trends of the future pretty easily. You know, you could have predicted the cell phone and that sort of communication, but you couldn't have predicted the iPhone. You can't predict the specifics. And so when I look at gene sequencing, it's a very, very strong claim to say that I know that this company is going to dominate this, this important market forever. But you can very reliably say that this is the wave of the future, that gene sequencing and personalized medicine will continue to be very, very important and grow in importance. But I think it's hard to pinpoint one specific company that's going to be set to win it all. And it's also really hard to pinpoint what happens on a quarter-by-quarter basis, which brings us right back to what we've been saying this entire episode, which is that you can't look at a single quarter and ever determine whether that's just a hiccup or if it's a big trend. It's important to follow along with these companies, but it goes into a much, much broader context when you're looking at a long-term. Right. I, listen, I've been involved in the investing markets for a long time, Okay, decades. And anybody who has been investing in stocks for decades realizes that there are going to be plenty of periods along the way where stocks will fall 10%, 20%, 30%, 40%. But the people who recognize those big, larger trends, and this is something Morgan Housel talked about in event, at one of the One events in Boston recently. And, um, you know, Anybody who is focusing on these large things, the invention of the plane, Okay, uh, we didn't know exactly what that would do, how that would disrupt the world, or how it would change the world. The invention of the car, same thing. You know, these are these are tide shifting, game changing, revolutionary. However, whatever adjective you want, um, technologies, and I think that that makes um, opportunities along the way when you. You see these stumbles. Does that mean that Illumina is going to go on to be the best stock investment in the world? We don't know that. No one knows that. But what we can say is they're the market dominant player. They're profitable already. They've got cash in the bank. And they're making investments in things like Grail and Helix, which are potentially going to open them up to billions and billions of dollars of additional sales in the future. Right. Those are their moonshots, and they could be astronomical in proportions if they pan out. But again, you got your big if, and this is something that we talk about on the healthcare show all the time, because biotech in particular is, is so risky. You don't want to put your life savings behind Illumina because you're confident that genetic sequencing is the wave of the future. I, I would say that genetic sequencing, yeah, I'm pretty confident that that is the wave of the future. But Illumina is a little bit of a risk you bet. You know, they they look like a great way to get into this market, but you just don't know for sure. 
Right. So D- maybe maybe diversify, diversify, yeah, diversify. Yeah, exactly. Right. I mean, that's that's a that's a message. You should be owning 10, 15, 20 stocks, whatever you feel comfortable with. You shouldn't be owning three and you certainly shouldn't be owning one. Absolutely. That's great advice. Well, Todd, I'm going to wrap up the show. It has been awesome having you here in studio. I'm very excited for the rest of the conference. Thanks for coming in. Oh, it's great. Thank you. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks that they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against, so don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. For Todd Campbell in HQ, I'm Christine Hargis. Thanks for listening, and Fool on! Fool on!